Hey, 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 closet busters and bold move makers. It is time once again for Life Uncloset. So I want you to gather around because it is time once again to kick down those closet doors of your life. We're here to escape our BS, explore our fears, and elevate our self-expression. I'm your host, Rick Clemens. I'm the bold move expert and that coming out guy who's going to take you to the party, the pulpit, the wake, and back to the party of living your life uncloset. So come on along with me and grab hold of yourself and get ready to step out, step up, and step into facing your fears, making your bold moves, and living life without apologies. Now let's get to the show. You can't get away from it. You can't hide. You can't even try to bury your head in the sand about it because here's the bottom line. Your story is your story is your story. And if you try to hide it, you are still keeping yourself in a closet. And no matter what that story is, you got to own it. And I really want to invite all of you as we dive into this, whether your story's about hiding something from others about your sexuality or being in a marriage that's a little unconventional, or suddenly you find yourself finally admitting like, yeah, I kind of grew up in a crazy religious cult sort of thing. Or maybe you even blew all your money and you're absolutely bankrupt. Own your story because when you can own your story you're owning your truth and you're owning your life i'm rick clemens and welcome to life uncloseted the podcast and today that's what we are talking about is owning your damn story and making it work for you and there's a funny story to this podcast because the guest that i'm about to bring on she is part of part of my work with speakers and we've done a couple of sessions together as a coach. And then suddenly I'm like looking at this session going, wait, this is the same name. Can it be the same person? And sure enough, it was. And I'm so excited to have Francis Yahia here. I'm excited to have you here, Francis. And this is crazy that I know. <laughs> we Thank had this like me. connection. And then suddenly it's I like, I didn't oh. even know. <laughs> I know neither one of us. It's like, I, I'm like, this sounds familiar, but why and then i'm like oh my god i think this is the same person you had the same reaction so um but glad to have you and i I just want to tell you all we're really jealous because she's recording this right now from costa rica so we already need to hate on her a little bit because someplace (laughs) really really beautiful not that the rest of us aren't in beautiful places but anyway so um so wow interesting lots of bits and stories about different ways you've uncloseted yourself in your life but what i love about what you're doing as a coach and a therapist and everything is that you're really doing what I said, helping people own their story. And and for you, why do you think that was so important for you that it then now turned into something that you really help others do? What was the like thing? Uh, oh, this is important. I get the power of it. What came up for you? When I realized how I used my story to victimize myself and stay in what I call child mode or victim And I realized that everything I had created in my life, and I had created massive chaos, like major chaos. I didn't just blow up my life. I blew up my life. Mm. And when I really, I had a three-year depression as I had cancer for five years. When I really sat with the story and started like just to deconstruct it, and I realized that every piece of that story led me to what I'm supposed to do here in terms of my will, my purpose, my divine goals, then I was like, oh, wait, I can take this story and make it a different type of tapestry. I can make it what I call a stone soup, which is all of the ingredients can nurture myself and nurture others. Mm -hmm. There's not one part of the story that is wasted. 
boldness is really to own every part of your story. And so we, we oftentimes are victimized by it because we haven't been taught to empower ourselves with the threads that are found in the story. And so I have this assignment I do with clients where I have them put all the threads of their story of victim Mm -hmm. on little pieces of paper, take a picture and make like a circle, like a soup. And that the threads will start to pop out and they'll start to weave their entire life's purpose in that assignment. It's fascinating. Not one ingredient is lost. It is very fascinating. I do something very similar because I'll have people start to say, well, well, but this was part of what happened, but uh, you know, and then this is what is part of the happen, and I'm like, well, but all of that happened because it's supposed to. It's <laughs> supposed to make. If somebody and I always use this as the example. If somebody told me in 1999 when I came out of the closet that here we are, 20 some odd years later, I would be using that as the basis of a business and a coaching practice and my podcast and everything. I would say, y'all are fucking crazy. This is <laughs> exactly. not going to happen. <laughs> and yet everything built. And even as I look at what I did from the moment I made the decision to start to build this practice, I'm like, wow, all that stuff I learned back when I was in technology and when I worked for Marriott hotels and when I was a food and beverage director, it all weaves together. It all, there's bits and pieces of it. Like, Oh, well, this has helped me build this business. And Oh, this has helped me like, you know, handle conflict resolution stuff. And, you know, so it's, it is really, really crazy, but you and I kind of have something similar in common too, in that we both were raised. I don't think I, I wouldn't, well, kind of cultish, but I was raised in a religious practice. That's like, I'm not sure all this is exactly quite right. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, it's moved me to a space of, okay, I believe in something greater than myself, but I, I I'm no button church isn't going to happen. That, exactly. that you can just say <laughs> nice and cold where I'm supposed to be sitting because I can't deal with the dogma. I can't deal with this is the only way you can have a relationship with God, which is another thing that really probably helped you kind of, in my terms, uncloset yourself coming through that experience of finally walking away from the quote cult, so to speak. So absolutely. So I was born into the cult and this is all I knew. And I thought that, which is very common with people born in cults. You think that you have like this special relationship that you are gifted that you've got a trick up your sleeve that others don't have. Um, So when I started poking holes in the story, I was like, okay, there has to be something else, which really led me when I left to find um, what I do now. So it was actually the origins of the story that led me to to what I do now, which I'm a spiritual Mm -hmm. counselor, mental health counselor, and I help people own the story. And you said something important and how all of these pieces tie together. So there are two states of consciousness. There's the earthly consciousness and there's the spiritual consciousness. So the earthly consciousness is the lived experience, the life, the part that we are a victim where we've had trauma, we've had pain, and we don't minimize that. But one of the things that I think we failed to do is really understand that the spiritual consciousness is informed with the earthly consciousness story. And it's only when we start adding that other piece. And unfortunately, a lot of therapists don't do this. We stay sort of revisiting the trauma and and, and, and the victim piece and, and breaking down the story. But when we can raise that to the spiritual consciousness that your spirit, your soul, your divine will is found in that story. And if you deconstruct it and bring it to a spiritual understanding or raising of vibration and consciousness, 
And that's when you get out of victim. You still honor the pain and trauma and suffering that you, you endured, but now you use it to really pave the way and, and, and carve your path. That's what I call being the mystic or, or the mystic in the middle, right. using both to empower you rather than victimize you. And that's what I do with clients. This victim thing is so interesting <laughs> because <laughs> so my, so my coaching training, um, I, I did it with IPEC Institute of Professional Excellence and Coaching. And that all we, all we, well, I shouldn't say all we got trained on, but the core of it is energies, right? Mm-hmm. So it kind of follows the chakras, honestly. But at the very bottom of the energy core is victimhood. It's like you play the victim and then the next one up is conflict. And it's so interesting when I work with my clients and and there's an assessment we do like, here, let's do your energetic profile sort of thing. You know, I'll always like say, so let me just kind of tell you what's going to happen here. You're going to do this thing and then you're going to get this chart and it's going to show like the core energy is victim and then conflict. And then, you know, I kind of walk them through it to the highest state, which is like, you know, Gandhi hood where you're like, there is no judgment. And I said, so you, you're not going to show up as a seven. Sorry. Just letting you know, it's not going to happen. You'll have some bits in there because we can float to that. And then, you know, we, it's so interesting. Every client's like, well, I know I'm not going to be a victim. I'm like, Oh, bitch. Oh, <laughs> oh. let me, so, I, let so, me just so, address so wrong. that. So I have a similar path and mine are called the 12 truths. And uh-huh. these 12 truths, similar to what you're talking about are found in any in any sort of program, in every religious tradition, spiritual philosophy. So yes, you sprinkle in some of the higher truths, but really you're stuck in the first four truths repeatedly. So I have a technique that I use with clients. It's called the personal TED talk. So T is for thoughts, E is for emotion, D is for desire. So my models all start at conception. And most psychodynamic therapists start at zero to seven, the childhood where personality and ego is starting to be developed. But I start at the very beginning, which is the moment of conception. Mm -hmm. At the moment of conception, you are given your limiting thoughts, what I call your impure thoughts. That's your subconscious mind. You will fight with your entire lifetime unless you learn to raise consciousness around it. In pregnancy, you get attached to that thought, an emotion, So mine was hopelessness for many, many years. Then at birth, you get a body that has desires. That's the D. All of that is low-level consciousness. Your only job in life is to raise consciousness around that thought, emotion, and desire. And every situation, all of the soup, all of the threads, all of these experiences are to teach you how to raise consciousness or vibration and simply one octave. It's really a Mm -hmm. small vibrational shift. This isn't huge. So in this TED talk, every single time a conflict shows up, so speaking to the victim conflict, same similar model, I have clients assess the conflict on a scale of one to 10. Right. Conflict on a scale of one to 10 immediately puts you in victim, immediately. Any Mm -hmm. conflict you create, you're automatically in victim because what you're trying to do is honor the low level thoughts, emotions, desires, and consciousness that you got in your family. So you can stay for a chakra part of a tribe, right? That's it. That's the simplicity of of conflict. Now, if you're creating conflict, like I did at a nine and a 10, what happens is your fire element, which is the only element that humans are in charge of the only element we're in charge of, of the five elements is the fire element. If it's tied up in a nine or a 10 through conflict, through the victimhood, then you only have two or one to create. And it's fear. You cannot create with such little fire. 
So what I try to aim with clients is first of all, to realize that every single conflict is always victimhood. It's always child script. It's wanting to stay with that first chakra that tribe. Fine. You want to honor your family, your emotional loyalty is not a problem. But if you could create conflict at a two or a three, now you have seven and eight to create. And this serves for a few reasons. If we never had our fire limited through our body, through parents, yep. through parenting, we would destroy ourselves. We are self-destructive by nature. We would burn the, the house down literally as children. So a lot of times people that had very strict structure or very little structure tend to create the greatest conflict because they're so afraid of that fire. And so it's really about that Goldilocks, what I call that 48 to 52. Small conflict, it reminds you you're human. It reminds you that yes, there's a purpose to your low level consciousness because we need the earthly world and desires and sex and food and, and all that great thing. But yet we could still move into the world create and come to do what we came to do. And that's the courage where fear doesn't, you know, sort of keep you paralyzed. But it's such an interesting thing because whether it's the cult, whether it's, you know, our sexuality, whether it's our money stuff, that fear and that victimhood every time, you know, the victimhood and the conflict is like, it's at the core, but like you said, we have become so accustomed to that. In fact, I was just working with a client yesterday on this going, okay, but if your initial reaction is always, well, but da, 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 you know, even I said, okay, so let me just, can I just repeat what you just said? And, and I won't say it exactly like you said, but I'm going to do the da, 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 da. Well, but da, 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 da. Just the tone of your voice is like, I'm a victim. Mm-hmm. I, I suck. Mm-hmm. This really sucks. And we, okay, we're human. So we're going to, we all do this. I'm not going to say, I mean, well, except for Francis and I, we're perfect. So <laughs> exactly. <laughs> But it's such an interesting thing to like help someone start to unravel and like peel back the layers and go, don't blame yourself. This is, this is, we've been conditioned this way as a society that this is how we react to certain things. Now here's the consciousness stuff that you get to go do. Now you get to start bringing new stuff in. We get to go play in a new playground, but you got to be willing to go there. And I, it was interesting to watch him, as I said, the go there, he goes, so I like the playground concept. And he started to light up, right? And he said, and basically what you're saying is I have permission to do this. I'm mm-hmm. like, you've always had permission. Had permission. Exactly. It's always been there. Yeah. We just don't do this. And that's a big part of my stuff is like, first step is you got to give yourself permission to go do something. Even if it's like, accept that this is my story or this is what my conscious and subconscious thoughts are like to start really giving yourself permission to go play in those arenas. But there's another, go ahead. ahead. No, no, go. I want to hear what you say. In my, in my, in my Ted talk. So I have this seven step model. It's called seven steps or seven um, steps beyond self-awareness. Awareness Awareness isn't Mm -hmm. enough. You're right. You have to move into the playground. And that's based on a metaphysical law called the law of octaves, thought, intention, awareness isn't enough. You need to bring something into the earthly world, do something, create something so that you can eventually transform and then transmute those limiting beliefs. So when you do the TED talk, it's exactly that. When you honor your parents' limiting thoughts that you got at conception, the emotional loyalties you got at pregnancy, and the bodily desires that you got from your parents at birth, what you're saying is, mom and dad, give me permission to do it differently than you. 
And we don't get that from our parents. They limit us. They say, no, do it our way. Follow in the family business or the religion. And that is what we're here to do, to say, I'm not going to lose this membership. I call it the Costco card membership. We're not going to lose the Costco card membership of the tribe, of that first chakra, of that root, because I choose to do something differently. That actually is exactly what I'm supposed to do. Eventually, you return home and you realize that you are them and have been them all along and you've just done it differently or raised consciousness around that. So the thing of blame, when we incarnate, and this is one of the reasons we create conflict, when we create conflict, we are trying to return to a preconception state in heaven, in universal consciousness, in the universal womb, whatever you're comfortable with the word, God, heaven, doesn't matter, where we had no form. The moment you are conceived, you are limited. You've gotten your limited thoughts. Pregnancy, your limited emotions, birth, your limited body. So as a result of creating conflict, we are trying to actually say, I want to do it differently and have permission to do it differently because I have now just sort of dumped the thought, emotion, and desire that my mom and dad gave me, but we can't do that. So we have to find a way to honor that programming, but it is our fault in the sense that this is our karma. We did in previous lifetimes, if you believe that, something, and now you come to work through that. And it's okay. This is the humanness. So I have a statement, judgments are confessions, and they're great. In the three-step TED Talk, the first question is, does the conflict represent mother or father? That shows you which limiting belief you're honoring, moms or dads. We all honor one of them. The second is the secret sauce. What don't I like about the conflict? Whatever you judge about the conflict is still what you're judging about yourself. Something you previously did, something you're currently doing, or something that you have the capacity to do in the future. And so like your client, I didn't know I had permission because I'm flawed. I'm human. I have this low level consciousness. Well, I shouldn't be able to go to the playground and play. No, it's because you're human and in a limited form that you absolutely have permission because your fire or that sort of preconception fire can't do anything without a body. So it's total radical acceptance of our flawed self, of our low thoughts, limiting thoughts, emotions, beliefs, desires, that we indeed gives us the permission to move forward in the world. It's only through our lived experience to pain, suffering, and the universal consciousness that we can actually give back to anyone in this world. So it is in this flawed form that we do the magic, that we burn the karma, that we raise consciousness. We can't do anything in the universal state. We can't do anything as ether. We have to be in this limited form. It's, it's the beauty of being human. And that beauty of being human is about, again, not only owning our own story, but starting to take that story and realize, okay, this helps me get to that other space. Each time we take what's happened and where we've shown up and how things, um, reveal themselves in our world and before we came on to record the podcast Francis and I were talking about how interesting it is that like all this stuff that we think oh well that has no bearing <laughs> it all of it has bearing every oh, bit of it yeah. just keeps adding on and adding on and adding on and it, it really truly informs us it really and truly 
gives us that pathway, that North Star, whatever you want to call it, if we lean in and tap into it. Which brings us to another piece of the interesting story that you have. Of you have had an experience in, I'm going to just kind of put it in the terms of in the LGBTQ space in your own personal life. And I'm sure as you reveal this part of the story, I'm sure you can show how this has helped you in what you do now too. So why don't you kind of share where that piece of your story is part of the beauty too. So I was married to a trans man for 10 years. And besides just loving him, his soul, and every part of him in that relationship, I was absolutely devastated when the relationship ended. One of the things I had to do was deconstruct how I got there. Mm-hmm. So I was born into a cult and I really tackle with clients their conception story, if they know it, their pregnancy and their birth story before even talking about zero to seven. And my mother had had my brother and he was mm-hmm. a boy, Jewish family, wanted the boy. That was it. The doctor had said, tie your tubes. I mean, uh, said, I'm not going to tie your tubes. And she's like, yes, you absolutely have to tie my tubes. And he said, no. And then a few months later, she was pregnant with me. So part of the story was, I wanted a boy. I do not want a girl. You are not wanted. So I held on to that for my entire life. So when I meet my, my ex-husband and we're in this, in this relationship, we lived very, you know, sort of gender roles, normative, you know, the male role, the female role in our sense. But when we would talk about what I was sort of working through, it was the idea of balance. And there are eight universal laws in the universe that dictate everything. The Mac Daddy law is principle of mentalism. You create absolutely everything from your subconscious. It's all energetic. It's all sort of a mirror back to you, but you're creating everything you experience in your life from your subconscious mind. So that law is very difficult for people to grasp. So the next law down, which sort of indicates your sixth chakra is called the law of gender. Everything has masculine and feminine energies, not having to do anything with with sexuality. And my entire story from my birth story, no anesthesia. I fled into this lifetime fast and furious. I moved into every cycle of my lifetime fast and furious. This relationship from a spiritual perspective, from a metaphysical perspective, was showing me balance. And a lot of what I write in my books, I have a relationship book called The Truth is in the Triangle, is about how the trans community, there's a law in spirituality called the law of correspondence, as within, so without, as above, so below. We cannot see past the fourth plane of the universe. There's seven planes. So we have to look at everything that's happening around us to know what's happening in the higher planes. So the growth of the trans population is showing every single one of us. And luckily I had a first seat, you know, first class seat to this. Francis, balance your energies. I had very little feminine energy. I know that's why I got breast cancer and really had to work on building friends that are female and all the feminine that I refused to sort of integrate and incorporate this marriage really taught me that I was lacking the balance of these energies that the law of gender states is the only way to wholeness. And I am convinced, and I write about this adamantly in my books, 
that the trans community growth is here to show us what the heavens, what the, what the spiritual consciousness in these higher planes need us to understand. We need balance of our masculine and feminine energies within, in our relationships, in society. So I feel so privileged to have gotten that lesson and now seeing the growth of the community. But part of it too, and I love that you talk about the balance of the masculine and feminine and feminine. I, I don't think a lot of people grasp that we all do this somewhat naturally. We just don't call it out that way. There's guys that I meet that I'm like, okay, they're really quote macho men, but then there's this other side of them that shows up, which is like, there's a softer piece. There's this, you know, and I hate to even put the masculine and feminine on it, so to speak, because it, it's another, yet another label, but there's this essence of this is the only way a lot of people as humans can understand. It's like, okay, well, there's the feminine side or here's the masculine, you know. Well, yet, let me explain it with what you were saying with the energies. Go ahead and then I'll finish. Well, it's just that it's such an interesting thing to observe that this is where we sometimes get hung up, yet it's very powerful. When I invite, you know, again, I work predominantly with gay men who struggle, who struggle so much with both in different ways, right? Especially if you're more of an effeminate gay man, you like, like, okay, you love that part of yourself, but then you struggle because everybody's like, oh, you're such a feminine mm. guy, you know? And, and in the gay community, it's like, you know, no femmes, no this, no that. It's like, okay, guys, hey, at the end of the day, you're just a guy who's attracted to guys. So get over the labels, even though I get that labels kind of help us do the crap we do. Right. <laughs> But it's also very challenging to help in general people of the world, ourselves included, to like just step into, okay, but if this didn't have a space in our world, if it was just we are who we are and there's no label attached to this, what a different space it would be because the consciousness would be totally different. Oh, totally different. So every philosophy that's worthwhile, <laughs> will explain creation from an element's perspective. So talking about, you were saying earlier, energies. There are four elements. The ether or the akash is that sort of universal consciousness. It's in our bodies, but really in terms of the energies that we have to manipulate, it's air, earth, fire, and water. That's what we're given. At the moment of conception, those thoughts are attached to air. In pregnancy, the emotion is attached to water. At birth, the body that's desirous is earth and fire is the only area that we are in control of. Too right. much, too little, or just right. That's our third chakra, right? That's right. our power, yeah. our courage, our fear. So what happens? We have something called a manas prakriti. Manas prakriti is the mental state linked to the elements. I have a lot of air and a lot of water. That's a lot of masculine and there's feminine, there's more air than water. That's how I sh show up in the world. You can see this on your astrology chart, for instance. And so understanding that my masculine, which is very driven, is intellectual driven. That's how I live out my masculine energy. And my spirituality is how I live out sort of the water that I have. The lacking element in my chart is earth. I lack earth, so I have to overcompensate. How I overcompensate is be very masculine driven in my ambition, which made me go fast and furious. 
So when we understand that we're just these elements that might cause someone to appear more effeminate than someone else, it's just the mental structure. This is all happening in our mind. Our right. body is simply a loyal servant to our psyche. And so there's no wrong manifestation. And actually in Ayurveda, in the Vedas, the ancient most wisest tradition or, or, or books that exist in spiritual tradition says that the moment of conception, when you get that manas prakriti, that is your whole state. Most of us, because of our limited beliefs and thoughts, our conditioning, religion, society, move so far away from that manas prakriti, from that balance that is imbalanced, right? It's not e equal amounts, but it's equal for you. And right. it takes our entire life and our entire story to come back to that, to say, oh, I've always been exactly who I'm supposed to be. I started out in my childhood that way, but all these things veered me off of my path. And now, Francis, I feel that I'm, I'm finally getting back to that state of balance because for so long trying to live out the story where my mom wanted this male son, I was right. so much in the masculine and, and the message kept coming, balance, 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 incorporate the feminine. I didn't have that. I was extremely masculine. I was the moneymaker. I was the provider. I, I mean, I lived out the male roles in society to the T, I even lost custody. Not having any reason to lose custody, but I even created that to honor that men don't get the custody of the children. It's nonsense what I created. And when I really threaded that piece of the law of gender together and yeah. my, my relationship showed me repeatedly just be balanced because he was extremely calm and peaceful. And so even though he lived male and I lived female and we appeared just heteronormative, Actually, he was more in balance in that sense that he would calm down all this masculine that I had. And then we eventually balanced that out. But that was a big teaching there. So anything can help balance your energies. It doesn't have to be a trans relationship. But the trans community is here to scream and yell. We all need balance. We are all in balance in some way. Go back to that elemental structure of your astrology chart. If you're into that, your manas prakriti find the elemental structure in your story. It's there. You know your true essence. And if it's more air and fire, then you're more masculine in terms of gender, in terms of the law of gender, energy. And if you're more earth and water, then you're more feminine in terms of the law of gender. That's it. And we can remove these labels if we just really identify that we're being exactly who we're supposed to be. And that started at conception. And it's such an interesting thing to like, you know, and again, whoever's listening to this, like, I'm not sure I can, you know, buy into or follow some of this, follow what you want to follow, trust what you want to, because I believe in a lot of this. I believe in most, I mean, there's not much you've said. I'm like, okay, no, I totally get it because I think what's happened, we get so, so let's kind of go back to the cultish world, right? We get so told that this is the only way, this is the right way, this is the truth and da, 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 da. I don't think there is any like one way to get where we're going, you know, and, and the thing that I have found that's helped me the most in my journey that continues, I'm not done, haven't arrived, <laughs> don't know when I will, <laughs> don't know that there's an end. I, I mean, there's a whole sort of stuff that I still question, but what I found is the more that I went and explored and I looked at different things, not everything worked for me. I mean, I consider myself very much somewhat of a Buddhist type of energy, but I, that doesn't mean I practice Buddhism on a regular basis. 
but there's also like a principled sort of practicality that I follow in certain things. You got to find your pathway to you, but all that's coming through lots of different spaces. And I feel like if we shut down a, let's just call it a doorway, so to speak, into our consciousness and subconsciousness, to me, that's when the challenges and the, and the strife and the, all that stuff starts to show up because we're not allowing something in that we need to let in so that we can grow through it. If I had not allowed myself to go, okay, well, yeah, I don't know. Let's see what happens if I do start a podcast. I wouldn't be sitting here 500 shows in at this point. Not that like, oh, wow, that was the whole goal. But I realized how much these interactions and getting to share and all this sort of stuff adds depth and layers to my own experience. And, and yeah, I love helping people too. But there's so much that I get out of every conversation I have even if I'm doing a solo show, because sometimes when I do the solo shows, it's like, okay, this shit's coming up for me. Folks. Exactly. Just, you know, so. Where'd that come from? Yes. That's why I see clients. That's why I see clients. I'm like, oh, wait, I needed that guidance. Exactly. I have a concept called the sphere of consciousness. So mm-hmm. I, everything I do, everything I write, everything I, I, I prepare in terms of, of, of um, programs are all rooted in the eight universal laws. Those laws dictate all cycles of the universe, whether they're financial, sexual, physical health, everything. So I always go to the universal law to inform whatever the client is going through and in my own life. So the sphere of consciousness is a concept that comes from the law of correspondence. I mentioned before, as within, so without, as above, so below. So if something enters what you're saying, your sphere of consciousness, it is there for a reason. It is not accidental. I met my ex-husband at an event in Miami Beach. I was there by myself. I was waiting for the valet line. I overhear him talking to a friend, talking about getting an Oreo blizzard. I jump in the conversation and say, extra Oreos, and that's where it started. There was Mm. no, nothing planned, seeking. That's the way the magic happened. It entered my sphere of consciousness. A few weeks later, we started dating, and within the year or so, we were married. So... He comes out to me on our first date. We Mm. agree to go to the beach in Fort Lauderdale, like six in the morning for coffee. And I had been studying astrology, numerology, all of these divine arts. And so I was like, oh, what's, you know, what's your full name? What does your name stand for? He had initials. And and he's like, I'll tell you on our first date. I'll tell you on our first date. And I said, okay, because I wanted to do the numerology on the name and all that. Right, right, right. And so he's like, I'm trans. And my response is, really? And he's like, yeah. I said, okay. And we kept going. And there was never a question ever again. Because if that entered my sphere of consciousness, there was a reason. And so I, as the years unfolded, I was, got very clear, especially when I got the breast cancer the first time. I said to him, I said, oh, this makes so much sense. This is, this is the balancing of the feminine, the, the one I've rejected, the one I've sort of, you know, cut off and, and castrated because of my story with my brother being for, first and my mom wanting a boy and all the nonsense of my story. But there was so much information in just that, that anything that enters your sphere of consciousness, and I could have walked away and said no, but it still right. entered my consciousness. I need to use that story, no matter how small mm-hmm. or big to deconstruct to what is the teaching, the meaning, the lesson that the universe has with its infinite wisdom entered my space. Because if it enters your space, you are ready to look at it. 
that is the reality of it. I love that. And that's a really great space to like kind of bring things full circle. I think for most of us, and I'm going to kind of step back into the LGBTQ sphere just for a moment, or, and even, I'm going to even tie in the religion and cult stuff. When the thought that I am actually gay finally entered my sphere in the strongest way possible that I was like, not even just thinking, I know that's when I was ready to take action. When I realized I was not ready any longer to buy into Seventh-day Adventist church principles, and I was willing to question them, that's when I started to have, for me, a better relationship with God, the higher power, Mm -hmm. because I was no longer allowing like this, here's what this is. This is, I allowed something to come in. It's similar to like someone who discovers they're diabetic or someone who discovers, okay, this cancer has arrived. It's arrived. So now we have a different sphere of how we look at something and we take the next best move. And I think it's something that each one of us has the opportunity on a daily basis to exercise like a good exercise routine (laughs) of what do we allow to come in and what do we suddenly put the door up and say, not in. Now there's another way of the not in that's actually powerful too. Like if you don't allow negativity in, then that's cool because that's something that's knocking at the door. But as soon as you let it in, it becomes the thing that drives every other thing that you're doing. And so this concept of what you, what is being allowed in is what also gives you the energy, the power, the incentive, whatever you want to call it to do the next best move. Sometimes it's going to feel really crazy. (laughs) It's going to feel very crazy. You know, I was coaching a client the other day and he's like, so I actually made the move and actually had a hookup with a guy. I'm like, okay, so how did that help you make the next best decision for where you're going? Because I'm a mess. I'm like, of course you're a mess because of you've never done this before. Of course it shows you. Right. right. I always tell clients, when you choose you, I call it yes. the narrow door. When yes. you walk through the narrow door and choose yourself, a death has to occur. A mourning exactly. has to occur. It's usually within 24 to 48 hours. It's usually related to food, money, time, sex, or health. Yep. It's scripted our psyche every time. So yep. of course you have to be a mess or chaotic or conflicted. Because you're like, oh my God, I've never chosen myself to make this different move. Um, Joseph Campbell says, if you're on a paved path, it's not your own. Yours is wilderness. Yours is waiting to be unfolded. So you could start on your program, my program. But I always tell clients, you don't take all of what I did. What I did was for me to get back to myself. You use the pieces and you keep going looking for other pieces and eventually you build on that. So in fact, one of the things I would say to this particular, whoever's listened this far to this, this podcast is to re-listen to it and really think, okay, well, Francis said this, Rick said this, Francis, and, and start to think what works for me, what, what works, because I hate to say, and this is one of the things that always happens in my coaching. Well, how would you come out to your spouse? Well, you will come out to your spouse in the best way that you know how to do it. I can tell you lots of things that clients have done. I can tell you what I did. But I'm going to promise you, as I start to tell you certain things that I did, it's not going to fit for you. It's not going to work because we're all different and we all have different ways that we do things. This is why I believe the world of personal development and exploration of who we are as humans and everything is such a beautiful landscape and playground. 
Absolutely. I love the certain individuality. things. Right. I love certain things that Brene Brown does, but I don't like all of what she does, but there's exactly. certain things like, Hey, this is, this is kind of cool. I like things that Simon Sinek has done on the business front and who we are. doesn't mean I buy into everything. It's this interesting playground of exploration and really truly getting what you need for you to help you move forward. And I think Absolutely. this is the beauty of when you come from the places like you and I have come from, where you've had these experience with your ex-husband and then with the, you know, the cult and everything and the churches and everything, and finally stepping into being who you are, owning your story. When you own your story the way that best works for you, and I think, I don't know that, I can't remember when we had our session about your speaking, but I know I say this to a lot of speakers, you have got to become the speaker that best works for you. And I say that to clients, that they have to be the teacher that they needed or yeah. the write the book that they needed. That's yeah. what I did. When I left the, the cult space, of course, I wanted to follow what I knew, but something said, well, that doesn't all make sense. And so I started on this path and I kept going to psychics and healers and readers. And my ex-husband drove me to the last session I had and I come outside and he's like, how was it? And I said, the best session I ever had and the worst session I ever had. And he's like, how so? And I said, well, she wasn't really good. And I said, but it was great because I realized that what I have is amazing and I don't have to keep looking anymore. So I finally got to that space that I was the guru, the teacher that I needed. And yeah. I just had to develop those skills. One of the things I say to clients, if you're having trouble identifying what your path is, I use a metaphor of a snow globe. So an, a snow globe appears to be an intact system, right? But every snow globe, childhood, has a crack. In that crack is your answer. In that crack is your path. I call that the incongruence. Find the incongruence in the story that you were taught, that you grew up in, that you see doesn't make sense for you. There is your juice. There's the thread to pull to find your own path. That's how you start to unravel and say, oh, this is the way for me. Exactly. Exactly. I'm so glad we got to do this today. Likewise, this is so fun. And it's still so <laughs> ironic that it's like, okay, this is I how know. we came together. Because this happened before we even got, I mean, it's just the whole thing is, but then again, this is how stuff happens. Absolutely. It was meant to happen this way so that we could share and you could give your perspective on what it really means to own your story and help people. If you all want to connect with Francis, you can hit her up on her website at Dr. Yahia and that's Y-A-H-I-A.com. We'll have this all on the show page for the podcast, but I know some of you don't go to the show pages. So that's why we always say this out <laughs> loud and everything as well. And um, I encourage you to connect. Everybody's got something to share. Everybody's got something to support you. If what she said rings true for you, please, please, please reach out to her. And um, thanks again for being here, Francis. I really appreciate the conversation, the authenticity and the openness and the vulnerability and just the great tips you've been handing out over the last 30, 40 minutes for um, my audience. Really Thank was you. Great. Thank you for having me. It was a pleasure. And if you want more of Life Uncloseted, stay tuned. It happens every week and we'll see you in just another week. Hey, 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 Life Uncloseted family. Another episode of Life Uncloseted has come to an end and it is time for all of us to sashay away and go face our fears, make those bold moves and stand up to living our life without apology. But before you do, I've got a favor to ask of you. 
would you hop over to iTunes or Spotify or Podbean or wherever it is that you're listening to this and just give us a little bit of love if you like what we're doing here at Life on Closet. Here's what it does. It helps other people find the show. It helps other people get to know what we're all about. And you just might help change life. In fact, if you really want to change a life, we'd love it if you just ask a friend to take a listen and see what they think. So that's it. Love you all deeply. I'm Rick Clemens, the host of Life Uncloseted. And never stop stepping out, stepping up, and stepping into living your life uncloseted.